following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We are continuing. I have the privilege of kind of, in some ways, doing a two-parter. I got to, to speak last week and talked about the joy of salvation as part of our series on We Believe, just the, the foundational truth of what we mean when we say we're saved. And, um, and getting to examine that together, not just for the knowledge of it, but to be renewed in the joy of what that means for us, that we have been saved from death, that we've been transferred from death to life, and uh, that that comes only through Jesus, that we believe there is this one way to experience that salvation that comes through Jesus, that there's nothing I can do to make that happen, that there's nothing I have to do to earn it, um, and that all of us need it, that even if we live the very best possible life and um, never offend or hurt anybody, we still need to be saved. And um, so we touched on just kind of the, the foundational aspect of that and the reality of that, and I'm grateful just even for the Spirit of the Lord bringing again, the renewal of the joy of our salvation and what that means, that he has taken us from death to life. And um, today I want to kind of continue on in that from the standpoint that this, this thing that has happened through salvation, there's so much more to it than just what happens in the afterlife. It's kind of like sometimes people think about Christianity as like planning for your retirement. I've got something set aside for later, right? And that's not really what it is. It's not just about he's done this amazing thing and so now I have an afterlife different than I would have had, but there's so much more to it and that is the way that we now live in this life that he's given us, that, that there is now something that we live in and one of the words for it is holiness. Yuck, right? No. No. But, but I want to talk about it today because I think sometimes I talked about how people sometimes think that the Christian life is all about adopting a new set of rules and principles that we live by. And what we talked about last week is it's not just about adopting this new set of rules that we live by. It's that I was dead and now I'm alive. Amen? But... The reason that people sometimes think that Christianity is about just adopting a bunch of new rules and sets of principles to live by is because most often, all often, I'd say all the time, when somebody comes into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, when he takes them from being dead to being alive, it changes the way they live their life. They, they begin to walk and act differently. So, so if, if you were walking one way, and your family knew you as one person with one type of language and one way of living your life, and then the Lord came in and transformed you through salvation and brought you from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive, they would probably notice that some things about you has changed because you're saved. They'd say, what's happened? And you go, oh, well, I got saved. And because it does transform something about the way that we walk. 
How many of you have had the experience, like I've worked in, um, you know, in a bank or in different places previously, and I noticed that people would apologize when they use foul language. Now, I've never said to anybody, don't talk that way around me, but they, there's something different about the way that I walk that tells them she doesn't talk like this, she doesn't think these kinds of jokes are funny, you know, whatever it is. And so there, there's a difference between how they might relate to me. And so sometimes that can translate to, oh, being a Christian is following all these different rules. And I want to <clears throat> kind of clear that up a little bit. I want to make sure we don't land on, after we talk about being saved, that we don't land on, it's just about the fact that now I go to heaven or the fact that my nice the penalty for my sins have been paid, but now it transforms the entire way that I walk. It means I'm no longer under the bondage of sin. I'm free to live as God intended originally when we talked about the doctrine of man and how he intended us to live in the Garden of Eden. He intended us to live in holiness. He intended us, that was the way that he intended for us to walk and to live. And so when Jesus came and did what he did, and when we step into the reality of that and we believe in that, it restores us again to be able to live in the way that we were really created to live. And that's in holiness. Let's look at Romans. I've heard a lot of people are reading Romans right now. I think there's something going on in the book of Romans. I mean, it's always been there, but I'm just saying. <clears throat> Romans, let's just start at the beginning, because I always like the way they start their letters. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1. All of you are wondering if I'm going to read the entire book of Romans right now. I'm not. Uh, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God. So this is basically, he's just proclaiming about this Jesus to people who did not grow up with the, the prophetic words that those, the Jewish people grew up with. Because he's speaking to people who didn't have that as part of their foundation. So he's just kind of laying this foundation And he's saying that Jesus was fully man, so he's born according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God and fully God, with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And so we see holiness sprinkled throughout the Old Testament, certainly, but also the New Testament. Let's look at Hebrews 12, 14. I forgot I put all these little tabs in. It makes it easier. Okay. Hebrews 12, 14. It says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So there's this call here and in other places to pursue holiness. So yes, it's something that we we step into by faith, but that it's something that he's calling us to pursue. And the problem is, how do we pursue something if we don't really even know what it is or what it looks like? 
Or if we think what it means to pursue holiness is whatever the list of, of um, do's and don'ts are in the, the place of faith that we are practicing, oh, that's what it looks like to pursue holiness. It's to follow these rules. And, and really all that does is bring us back into what he tried to set us free from, which was an external law that governs our behavior. That is not what he's calling us into when he says, pursue holiness. Growing up in a Christian home, to me the concept of holiness or what it meant to be a Christian was that I wasn't allowed to do certain things that other people were allowed to do. I wasn't allowed to watch certain movies. We definitely were not allowed to listen to secular music. And unless they were part of a movie soundtrack. I don't know why that was. And sometimes oldies, which... That seems as bad as most you know, current secular music, but whatever. But there was this, this kind of part of the way that we were set apart in, in my childlike mind was, oh, I'm just not allowed to do these different things. In fact, I remember one time going to somebody's house. They lived not far from the church we were attending, and they were playing music, and I thought, oh, I'm listening to secular music. It was the Jets, by the way. And I was just told recently that the Jets were actually believers. So it wasn't even secular music. But anyway, the point was is that without meaning to, sometimes the takeaway from walking out the Christian life can be it's about what we do and what we don't do. In fact, probably there's a lot more don'ts than there are do's, right? There's a lot of things we don't do and, um, and so we can think that that's what it's about. When a, a few weeks ago, Pastor Bob preached on the freedom that we have. We, we've, we preached on or talked about the, the three different parts of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then he followed up with a message on the fact that part of what we believe is when we come into the Christian life, we now have a freedom to interact with the Godhead for ourselves, that the mediator for us is only Jesus, and that we have a freedom to interact with him for ourselves. And he made this statement, which I sort of wrinkled my face at. He said, we have a light doctrinal load here. And I went, I don't know if I like that. What does that mean? We have a light doctrinal load. It means we don't believe that we are externally driven by rules and, and regulations. We, we take the simplicity of walking in faith, and, and those are the things that we cling to as our foundation, and then it's more about allowing people to interact with God for themselves in these, these other areas of how am I going to step into holiness? We trust the Spirit of God in people. Does that mean that, that it's a free-for-all? No, because there's some very clear things about how we walk out this Christian life. But there's not going to be a lot of hoops and a lot of boxes to check because we really believe as much as possible what we're trying to do is to connect you to the one who makes you holy, Amen. to the Spirit of holiness. This morning, Rochelle talked about that there is a grace for us to respond and to walk in the holiness that he means for us to walk in. And that's what I want us to understand, that, that 
salvation is, is different than sanctification, which is what we're going to talk about today, because another word for holiness is sanctification. But that it's a scriptural principle, a scriptural concept, that the, um, the result of salvation, of being saved, is sanctification. It is holiness, that we walk in that way. Anytime you see in scripture the word holiness, I'm not going to say anytime because I didn't study it to that extent. Very often, in many of the examples that I saw, anytime, not anytime, often, when you see holiness, <laughs> sanctification, I hate it when people say always and never, so you can see I'm not wanting to use that superlative. Holiness, sanctification, consecration are all the same concept. They mean set apart. That we are set apart now. That we've come into, now we're set apart, we were dead, now we're alive. Now we're set apart from that which is dead. And from walking in that way, to being spiritually dead, now we are set apart as alive in Christ. In 1 Thessalonians uh, 4.3, I'm going to pick it up in one, verse one. Sorry, team. Uh, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you received from us how you ought to walk and how to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Anytime the Bible says, This is the will of God. I pay attention differently than I might when Paul goes, well, this is me talking. Okay, so this is a place where he says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. That that this is something he's asked us to pursue. This is his will. This This is him having his way in our lives that we would live set apart. And I loved the word because it's right here in my notes. We are set free from something, to be free to come into something. We're saved from something, but more than that, we're saved to something. And so we tend to focus in in the larger body of Christ sometimes on everything that we're set free from or that we're set apart from. We're set apart from all these things. We don't do this, we don't do this, we don't do this, and we don't think you should either. But the reality is there, we are set apart to something. We are set apart unto God, unto his way of living, unto his holiness. And there is a grace, I believe, on the body of Christ to step into the fullness of that in this day because it is so needed that we understand not just what are we set apart from. I think, I think we're doing a really good job of trying to be set apart from things. But I want us to step into the fullness. What are we set apart to? What does it mean to walk in holiness or sanctification? Most often, that concept, that word, is translated sanctification, which is a process. A couple of different definitions around it have to do with the believer being progressively transformed by the Lord into his likeness. Another aspect of it is that 
Sanctification is being transformed to the nature, uh, likeness of nature with the Lord because it is different from the world, because it is set apart. So that's not, it's not wrong that we see it that way, that it is set apart from the nature of the world. But there's, there's more to it. The other aspect of it is that it's a process of making or becoming holy, set apart, sanctified, and consecrated. So what is awesome is that it is an ongoing work in our lives. How many are grateful for that? That as good as it is right now is not as good as it gets. And so this is different then, and I want us to understand the difference, difference than the the justification that happens because of what Jesus did, this, this legal transaction that wipes out our penalty for sin, when I accept what Jesus did on the cross, when I believe, we talked about it last week, I believe in him and that he's the way to have salvation from my sins, that justification means my debt is paid, my punishment is wiped out, and now God sees me through the purity of who Jesus is. I get to step into that righteousness. That's who I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's huge. That's huge. So that is a a legal change from guilt to innocence because of what Jesus did, not because of anything I can do. It happens one time, and it's the same degree for all Christians. I am as justified as you are. And if you were saved yesterday, you were as justified as I am. You've been made righteous in the same way that I've been made righteous. Sanctification is different in that it begins at that time of conversion, when we say yes to Jesus, it begins at that time, but it's the outworking of salvation as we change daily by the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus said, it's good that I go so that I can send you the Holy Spirit because this is the work of the Holy Spirit. People had been trying for centuries to walk in the holiness of God through external measures. That was, that was the whole relationship between God and man prior to this point, is that I'm going to just try everything I can to walk in holiness by I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to do this, and that my set-apartness is all about what I'm doing externally, and, and it's all coming from the outside in. It's pushing me, this is what I ha- how I have to walk. And Jesus said, no, that, that doesn't work. We've seen it doesn't work. And so now what I want to do is I want to send the Holy Spirit, and now he's going to be the spirit of holiness inside of you. And he's going to be about the process of sanctifying you and transforming you into the very image of Jesus. That he's constantly working in our lives. So I can know, how many of you have experienced? There are certain things that I haven't been convicted about you know, I can watch this or do this. And as I grow in my relationship with Jesus, not in my ability to follow rules and regulations, as I grow in my relationship with Jesus, now there's something in me that goes, ah, I don't want to really watch that. That is freedom. That's not bondage. That is the freedom to respond to the work of the Holy Spirit in my life that goes, that's not part of the holiness, the sanctification that is for you for this season. There's things that other people have said. They've, they've had conviction about, and I'm going, wow, maybe, maybe I should be convicted about that. Maybe I should not be doing this or not let my kids do that. Or I should. And I felt I've, every time the Lord has said, when I want you to be convicted about that, I'll let you know. 
And I can trust that because he's, he's continually doing this work of sanctification. Our job is to yield to that. Our job is to stay connected to that internal work of the Holy Spirit. I loved what Damien said this morning about just surrendering, coming into that place of surrendering. I think I said it either last week or a couple weeks ago, the freedom that there is and just going, okay, everything, I'm just going to do everything I can so that everything I am is yours. I know that if my heart is turned towards you, that's, that's what, I, what I need to do, just keep my heart turned towards you, I will walk the way that you want me to walk. That, do, that means I don't have to research what I should do in this situation or that situation, or do, you know, unless he leads me to do that, which sometimes he might. But I don't, I don't have to go, well, what are they doing? Well, should I be doing what they're doing? Do it? No. I just have to say, okay, I'm giving everything to him. This is what sanctification is. It's saying, I'm going to be set apart for you. So yes, is salvation a free gift? Yes, it is. But as Pastor Dave likes to say, salvation is free, but it'll cost you your life. There's a place because the response to a God who's willing to give everything to me is that I would give everything to him. And that's the, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Even, even right now, I, I keep talking about places that we're holding back. Maybe you can't relate to that. Maybe you're going, wow, what is it she's holding back? I'm not holding anything back. But I think that there's, there's these places that, that I go, oh, I know that I'm not fully surrendered, but I have confidence in this, that the work of the Holy Spirit is transforming me day by day. And when I yield to that, there are things that I'm given, giving to him that I never thought I would have. Me standing in this place right now is evidence of that. And he, he brought me to this place where this is something that we could give to him in this season. That this is, for me, this is part of a set-apart life. In other times, a part of set-apart life was working in a bank and loving and serving him there. But, but sanctification is an ongoing process. The reality is that it's not about a bunch of no's. It's about one big yes. That my yes to him affects everything else that I do. 24 years ago? 23 years ago-ish, well, about 24 years ago or so, uh, Brian asked me to marry him. And my yes was not as emphatic as he wanted it to be because I was all emotional and whatever, but I did make up for it. I, um, I, the next day, because he was like, did you, I mean, did you say yes? Because it didn't seem like yes. It seemed kind of like yes. And uh, so the next day, I plastered his car with little signs that said, yes, 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 yes. But the reality is, is that what, what keeps me turned towards him is my yes to him. It's not. Now, I don't walk around saying no to all the other men in every room that I come into. That would be odd and also presumptuous. 
But, but that's not what it's about. It's not about that I'm saying no to all. It's that my yes completely dictates every decision that I make. In fact, my yes to him often is the only signal that is needed to anybody else. That I am completely given to this place. That's my yes. And he initiated that with me. He said, I want to say yes to you. I want to give my yes to you 100%. Can you, will you do that for me? And then he waited for my response. And this is the place that Jesus is in for us. He has given his yes, his 100% yes to us. And you know, he did it while we were saying no to him. He, his, he was all in with his yes while I was still saying no. He is all in with his yes for people that are still saying no to him. I'm not offended by their no because they just they haven't said yes yet. <laughs> but he's all in with his yes to them. And what sanctification is, is that I'm saying yes back. And that affects everything else that we do. He says, I will give my whole life for you. Will you be mine? And then we respond. The only possible response would be, yes, I'll give my whole life. It's important to me that we recognize, even when we're inviting people into the Christian life, into salvation, it has to be, um, the invitation is much bigger than, come to heaven. (laughs) The invitation is, live heaven here, wholly committed to this one who gave everything to you. And so it's important that we're checking our yes. If I'm wrestling with my no's, the things that I need to say no to, if I'm wrestling with that, the place to double down my energy is not on the no's. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're saying yes and no a lot, so hopefully we don't get confused. The place to to pursue then and to double down my energy is, ah, my yes needs to be strengthened right now. My yes to him needs to be fortified, not I got to work harder at my nose. So that's what sanctification is, that I am wholeheartedly turned towards pursuing him. We're going to close with this. Psalm 8611. David says, Teach me, O Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart. Or another way is to say, Give me singleness of heart or unite my heart. And this is my prayer right now as we look at the joy of salvation, the joy of his yes to us, that our yes would become more and more undivided in this time. He is calling us to a bigger yes, but he's also empowering us for a bigger yes. How many of you know that he doesn't call us to anything that he doesn't intend to make the, the way for? So our yes is he, he's inviting us into a bigger yes in this time. Not just this morning. Can I just warn you? <laughs> the, 
the only way that I know how to live or how to lead is in giving everything to him. Like, I don't feel like I have enough of all the other knowledge, but the one thing I know is that I have in me a desire to give everything to him. And that's where I believe the church is going. Not just this church, but that church. That there is this place that he's calling us into. And I'm really glad because it's really what I have. Even yet, last week when I taught on salvation, tell me you didn't notice, but it's not an area that I even understand that well. Because I didn't walk it out in the same way that some people have, where they lived this way, and then after Jesus, they lived this way. And, but the area that I do understand is what it means to be wholehearted, because I have fought for that from my young years all the way up, that my heart would be fully turned towards him. But I haven't fought for it other than by yielding to what the Holy Spirit's doing in my life. And so... For us, I want us to know, he wants to empower us. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Did we hear that already today? There is liberty. But we all with unveiled faces, which is a reference to Moses being in the presence of God. If you want to look at the reference there, it's interesting. Um, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit is empowering you to say yes to Him in a bigger way, in a more undivided way, in a wholehearted way. We just have to yield to that. So, Let's stand. Can we just make a commitment together? We kind of already did it after worship. Can we just make a commitment together that we will yield to wholeheartedness in this season? And that we will trust the work of the Spirit to create that in us. So Lord, we, first of all, we want to come with our gratitude for your 100% yes to us. We thank you, Lord, that you didn't just give us a little bit, but you gave us everything. And we just say that you're worthy of it all because you gave all. We thank you that it is the work of your Spirit that you sent your spirit to bring that transformation in us that allows us to walk separately, that set apart from the, the ways of sin and death, that it's your spirit that does that. We ask that by your spirit you would strengthen our yes. We thank you that you said yes even when we were saying no. God, we ask that you would, by your Spirit, make us wholehearted in our response to you. Would you give us undivided hearts? Would you show us the places that we are giving affection and attention to other things that you want us to have set on you? 
in those areas that we're struggling to say no, we ask, God, that you would uh, draw us into a deeper yes so that every other decision that we make is influenced by our yes to you. We thank you that you do this by your spirit because you're so good and you make every provision for us. We thank you that there's a grace on the body of Christ to be wholehearted in this time because that's what's needed to bring transformation. And we submit to that continued work in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.